Hey Coconut, so yes, last week I talked about some of the interesting stocks that I'm looking at and while I was talking about them, I definitely assume a lot of ideas and I assume that you guys know about it already. But today I'm going to you know, wind back a little bit and talk a little bit more about this idea of growth stocks. Right? I think a lot of people when they talk about growth stocks, right, it's very like airy fairy, like wow, beautiful in the future, it's going to be a big thing. You know, but they don't really talk about it in a way of like, what are we going for? What are, what are the, what's the company that we're actually picking? What's the end goal in mind? Right? And these are the big ideas that I'm going to talk about today. And also, by extension, why some of these growth stocks get punished as a result of not performing to these expectations. So yes, welcome back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so recently the market has been relatively volatile and I know some of you are saying, oh, you know, my growth stocks are jala jala and I'm not performing as well. And that's the interesting stuff that I'm going to talk about. Of course, different companies, they grow into different growth phases and eventually they become this big value play, which is what a lot of people eventually buy into, right? Your dividend play, your value play, all these are very mature companies that are not, you know, at the growth stage. But once upon a time, all these sectors were growth sectors and all these companies were growth companies. They become dominant, then they eventually turn into what we call a value play. Oh, you know, is this undervalued at this point in time? Uh, that's very predictable cash flow. Uh, it reached a growth rate that's uh, pretty predictable also. So, you know, then that is a different way of looking at stocks. But recently, of course, there's a lot of uh, excitement in the growth space. I just want to say, you know, growth has been around for a long, long time. It's, it's, a, it's a part of the game, right? It's just that over time, people now talk about it as if it's like the new thing you know like growth stocks man it's the thing uh, fuck value <laughs> can, can swear not can swear I don't know can swear not but yes that's what people are talking about it out there right you hear these kind of big you know emotional statements saying the end of value you know growth is the thing uh, but let me kind of wind you through some of these things okay for a period of time there was this growth stock in the apparel space called Under Armour it was a growth stock Right, for a long period of time, they were like, oh my god, this is a growth stock. It's going to compete with Nike. It's going to take over, you know, following this like active wear, active wear kind of movement. <laughs> for a period of time, GoPro was a growth stock. Right, oh my god, this action camera is going to change the face of camera. You know, all these Fuji, all these, they're going to die, right? GoPro is going to take over. And for a period of time, Boeing was a growth stock. For a period of time, your banks were growth stocks. For a period of time, everything was a growth stock. It was just a different period of time. And that's what I want all of us to recognize, right? Growth stocks do not just exist in the tech space. Or maybe some will say, oh yeah, after something become a thing, it's no longer a tech anymore. It's like, oh, eventually streaming becomes a thing. You no longer put Netflix and Spotify as part of the tech play. It, oh, it's not a thing. So it has a new term. It's called streaming. <laughs> so you, you get the idea. Eventually, a lot of these... Uh, growth stocks will become value plays. And a lot of these value plays were previously growth stocks. They succeeded in this growth stock journey to become a value play. I want to remind all of us about a few years ago, cannabis was the growth stocks that people were talking about. Okay? 
So it is not unique to tech per se. It is just a period of business growth. It usually, there's a business cycle, right? It starts with this, what we call proof of concept, proof of idea or preliminary business model, trying to bring it together, right? And a lot of these companies, uh, they are called startups or what they call scale-ups, okay? So after startup, become a scale-up because got, got start already, now thinking of how to scale. Eventually, they reach a point where it's right for listing in the market and when they list in the market, uh, they raise a lot of money and people call them growth stocks because these companies are here, when they list, they are trying to grow, right? They're trying to expand, they're trying to develop and they're trying to grow. So they grow, 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 grow. Eventually, they reach a size where they don't really grow anymore. They are struggling to further expand. Then people call it mature company and uh, what people call value play, right? So value stocks. And this is essentially the life cycle of all business. Of course, the last stage is it declines, right? So it's no longer competitive. It declines and sells certain part of itself, you know, to different, different people, right? And you see it with the camera companies, with printer companies, you know, even with a lot of the big you know, automobile or general electric, over time, they sell. Even some of the FMCG today, they are selling down their businesses, right? So they are in a decline phase. So from an investor's point of view, most people that participate in a proof of concept stage uh, or what they call a startup, scale-up stage are your private investors, right? So your angel investors, your private VCs, your funds, Series A, Series B, Series C, what have you. Eventually, the company grows to a certain stage where they feel like, okay, now we can list it in the public market to raise the last round of money or at least the start of a very big pool of money so that the private investors can exit and the company can grow into the stock market to get publicly traded. And in this situation, a lot of these companies will be called a growth stock. Whether they can really grow, that's another thing. But they usually market themselves as a growth stock. Like, oh yeah, we, our future is like that. Now we can grow here, blah, blah, blah. But of course, because they need to market themselves to fetch a good price to allow the private investors to exit. So as an investor in the next stage, which is the public market, you are picking your growth stocks, right? You have a set of money. It's like, okay, is it this? Is it that? Is it this? Who should I buy? After that, a lot of these growth companies will die. A few will survive and eventually become matured and called value play. And then a new bunch of investors that are looking for dividend or value investors, they will come in to buy up these companies and hold them as position until eventually they decline. And there will be some people that will still buy and turn around and try to do something with all these other companies, even in decline. Right? So different investors will come in at different stages seeking different things. And this is the part that I think a lot of people are a little bit wonky, right? You kind of mix everything together. When we're looking at growth, okay, when we're looking at growth stocks, uh, what is commonly called as growth stocks out there, what are we really looking for? To put it very bluntly, right, we are looking for a dominant player with high margins, have a lot of cash flow so that they can continue to acquire and extend their growth phase for as long as possible. Okay, so dominant player, good margins, a lot of cash flow so that they can continue to acquire for as long as possible to continue their growth. You get the idea? So these are the kind of companies that we're looking for. But of course out there, the, with a lot of PR campaign, uh, a lot of feel-good, uh, some of these words people don't really want to use. Oh, you know, dominant player, control the market, huge margins, continue to acquire, to extend their growth. All these are not PR lovely words. Uh. People don't like it. <laughs> so people will say, oh, our mission as a company is to empower the mass, you know, uh, support the unbanked. You know, there are all these kind of weird, weird PR things. Like, of course, okay, I don't discount PR, uh, if there's no PR, there's no buy-in, eventually the company cannot, you know, caught all these users and investors and, and what have you to become that big mature company uh, or extend their growth run rate as long as possible. 
So I'm not discounting PR campaigns. I'm just saying as an investor, you must sniff through what is a PR campaign and what are we really looking for? What is this company really trying to do? Everyone is trying to get dominant. Okay? In other words, you are trying to seek a company that will eventually, under very high probability, become a monopoly or an oligopoly, right? So they dominate the whole market. They pretty much control everything. Okay, so that is what you are looking for, uh, to, to push away all the beautiful PR ideas. This is really, as an investor, what you're looking for. You're trying to find that one company in that space that will dominate and control. Okay, and with that in mind, I'm going to bring you to some core ideas behind these growth stocks. And what do you look out for and why do they get punished you know, when they don't perform up to par? So the first idea behind growth stocks is sacrificing short-term profitability for market dominance. Important. In other words, they are not trying to make short-term money. They are trying to expand and reach everybody possible within the market. Let's say you sell bread. Huh? We use simple example. Okay, You sell bread. You, you and your friend, your friend go uh, to France and learn from La Chateau Fossey, whatever French. <laughs> okay, La Cordon Bleu. Okay, uh, French patissier. They come back to Singapore and they want to start their own pastry shop. What is their goal? If their goal is to start a small little pastry shop, that is what we call a lifestyle business. It is just trying to run a cozy little business, make money and that's it. If it is trying to be a growth stock, its goal is to make sure that amongst all these 5 million population, everybody eats my pastry. So it clearly has a very different goal, very different business outlook and very different strategy. The first business person will be very interested in trying to profit. Shortest period of time, let's make this cash flow positive, profit from this store and, you know, be very happy, hire two part-timer and then, you know, uh, just hang out with your friends, open drink, you know, eat some pastries on the weekend. But the person that's trying to dominate this space, trying to be the biggest person and be the growth stock of the century, uh, selling pastries, I don't know how. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> if they're going to do that, then their goal is different. How do we systemize this thing? How do we franchise it? How do we make sure we get into every single corner of the island so that every single person has easy access to my pastry without without sacrificing my own store, same store sales, right? So that is a sector specific matrix. We'll talk about it another time. But you see the difference. The idea is we are sacrificing short-term profitability for market dominance. Every single dollar goes in. We care about financing the business. We care about growth. We want to dominate, not be one of the provider or not be just a boutique shop or, you know, what they call a lifestyle business. Which is why a lot of these growth companies will raise capital through financing and dilution, right? So they will issue more and more stocks. You hear this thing of shareholder dilution. They issue more and more stocks, right? So you, you become diluted right? because if there's net more stocks in this whole company, you become a smaller pie of this whole company, right? So people do that to continue to finance their growth and grow capital. Also because usually when a company is in this situation, they are debt financing not very sweet. Right, so because they are not in the healthiest of financial situation, usually they get very, very jalap financing term from a debt, right? 8, 10, 12% corporate debt is not good for the company. It's very heavy. So yeah, just sell equity, keep diluting, 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 diluting. It's, it's, it's a reality of growth stocks. And you must be clear that you are investing in a growth stock and this is essentially what they are trying to do. And in this process, they will issue new stocks and they will dilute you, which is also why it's a problem as a lot of these growth stocks 
stocks come down, their prices come down, they cannot issue at that kind of valuation, their financing become a little bit of problematic. So in this down cycle where a lot of these growth stocks, their prices come down, there's lesser liquidity in the market, you will see consolidation. You will see a lot of companies tow. You will see a lot of these so-called not best-in-class product. One of the options, they will all perish. Okay, I'm very sure. So yes, this is one of the core ideas behind growth stocks. Sacrificing short-term profitability for market dominance. Which is also why when the growth stocks struggle to grow, they struggle to grow, they reach a point where, you know, it's like, eh, not so easy to grow already. Eh? It's like, okay, to be fair, if you're trying to sell bread to 5 million people, you sell to 1 million people, it's like, okay, maybe the first 1 million quite easy, right? They're very concentrated, they live in the CBD area, they take the MRT every day, okay, maybe a bit more, like 2 million people, right? Easy to get to, you open your shop at all the CBD, all the, uh, the MRT stations, you open already, all the shops are there and you're already servicing a net 2 million population. The remaining population, some of them go to school, they never come to the MRT station, right? And some of them, they don't even come out, they just stay in their, their neighborhood area like Tampanese. Huh? All these Tampanese people, they don't come out Tampanese! But anyway, so they stay in those areas and they are not coming through the concentrated travel area. So it makes it a bit hard to reach these people. So as the bread entrepreneur that's trying to reach this 5 million population, what do you do? Oh, instead of opening storefront, which is very expensive to maintain for a small population that's not very dense, oh, maybe I can do bread van, right? I send to their place. But this is even better delivery, right? Ghost kitchen, deliver to their place. Different strategies. And you realize that growth is not linear. Eventually, the company will face some problems and they will need to use a new strategy to continue to grow. And what if after that, they really service 5 million people already, they want to continue to grow, they have to invade, let's say Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, they have to go to different places to continue to grow. And at different places, they will need to use different strategy, different celebrities, different distribution outlets, different, different, different. Growth is not linear. So you need to see what is considered good execution. Good execution means the executor or the CEO and their team can continue to keep growing and solve all these problems. At any one point, if you're seeing growth stagnate or slow down, you know, or given unforeseen circumstances, something happened, it tends to be that these growth stocks will get punished very massively because it is suggesting that maybe this uh, bunch of executors, they're not able to break through or maybe it's hitting a, a pothole or maybe it's limited already. This market already saturated. They cannot go any further, right? So they struggle. And eventually, if they struggle and they cannot grow any further, they become what we call the value stock because they mature already. They cannot grow. Get the idea? Which is why whenever a company that is supposedly marketed as a growth stock stop growing or face issues growing or have growth slow down, the market tends to punish it very, very badly. Okay? But I would say the recent dip is a little bit different. The recent dip is a situation of a reduction in liquidity, increase in debt costs, Okay, because central banks increase their interest rate, right? That means that is going to be more expensive. Share price come down. It's harder for these growth stocks to finance. So a lot of them will mati. Okay, so a lot of them will consolidate, will sell down, will mati, will move on. Uh, which is why I get it why a lot of these quote-unquote growth stocks right, come down 40, 50, 60%. Right? Because a lot of them will eventually become a zero or, or get sold off to another person, consolidate into a bigger company. Okay? But yeah, that's the first idea behind growth stocks. Sacrificing short-term profitability for market dominance. It's not trying to be a one-store, it's trying to dominate. Which brings me to point number two core idea behind growth stocks. And that is business optionality with a growing total addressable market TAM. 
Okay, people like to call it tan. Anyway, I'll talk to you a little bit more afterward from our sponsor. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So by extension to the earlier example of, you know, trying to sell bread to 5 million people, eventually you reach a point where we call terminal growth rate. That means um, this market already, you take the whole market already, or you've already gone so far, you cannot crack your brain to go any further with the current strategy. Eventually, this business sector or this business model that you have reaches what we call a terminal growth rate. 2, 3, 5% usually align with uh, the overall economy. So if GDP grows at 2 to 3%, because GDP is a net of all the transactions in this market, your business will grow about 2 to 3% no? on average. Lah, right? Maybe your business is a bit different, then it's still growth. No? Right? But if you reach terminal growth stage, uh, then it's about 2, 3, 5%, usually aligned with inflation numbers or aligned with uh, economic growth numbers. So with this idea of terminal growth rate in your head, you need to recognize that whichever company, uh, whatever they call themselves, whatever new term they come out for themselves to measure their growth, eventually that same product will reach a level of terminal growth. I mean, it cannot grow anymore. It's already maxed out. It's matured. So what happens if a lot of these companies or most companies, if they want to keep growing, they have to sell new products or they have to expand into new markets, which is what people say, business optionality. Can you create more businesses as a result of this first business? Can you sell more products to the same bunch of people? Or can you sell these set of products to another bunch of people in a place that you didn't operate prior? Which is why a lot of people talk about international expansion plan, talk about expanding margin by providing new products, you know, um, upselling. All these things are really about business optionality. Whether you can sell more and underlying this is a growing total addressable market. In other words, when your original business reached terminal growth, can you expand into a peripheral business or sell more so that your total market now is, becomes bigger? So to bring it back to our amazing French Delacour, you know, <laughs> patissier person that's trying to sell pastry and bread to all of you in Singapore, right? After they are done selling, let's say they're very successful while they sell to all the people that they can sell readily and easily already in Singapore. What can they do? Oh, maybe now they want to sell to Malaysians or they want to sell to Indonesians or they want to sell to Thai people. They go to these different markets and try to figure out what's the local flavor palette, what's the kind of pricing mechanism, what's the supply chain here. So you see, all these are different problems, but if they want to address this, they want to continue to grow, they have to go to these places. That is one way. The other way is uh, to sell something else on top of their product, right? Um, the very famous fresh soy milk. <laughs> We have a very famous bread seller in Singapore, very, very big one. There was a period of time there was a bread saga, they sell fresh soy milk, then turns out it's from a carton. <laughs> if you don't know, it's okay, it doesn't matter. But this is essentially trying to grow the TAM, right? Trying to sell the same customer a little bit more things. Instead of just buying bread, now you want to sell soy milk so that your customer can buy soy milk and add that $1, $2, $3 on top of their ticket. Which is why when people look at growth stocks, when investors look at growth stocks, they want to see what we call increased margins and increased average revenue per user. 
right? So if you can sell more things to the same bunch of people, that naturally your margins will increase. Of course, you want to sell higher margin businesses, you value add, you move up. Average revenue per user is also indicative that, oh, your business has options, you can keep selling more things to the same bunch of people, or you can keep expanding using different strategies which is why business optionality is so important, which is also why whenever um, some of these growth stocks are seeing margin shrinkage, right? Oh, the margins are shrinking. And it becomes a little bit of a problem. Say, like, hey, why is it shrinking? Is it shrinking because it's trying to get more market share so it, you know, make their product cheaper so that they can dominate the market and then after that sell something else? Or is it shrinking because competition is making it shrink? So it's not a good sign when margins are shrinking. It's also not a good sign if they prolong, cannot increase the average revenue per user. They cannot sell more things to the same bunch of people. Okay, so you want to see behind growth stocks their ability to keep opening into new markets and keep selling new things to the same bunch of people. Business optionality, aka growing TAM, total addressable market. Which brings me to the third point behind the core ideas of growth stocks and that is a superior product with sticky customer base. A lot of people, when they talk to me about growth stocks, they say, oh, have you looked at this stock? Have you looked at the other stock? And I ask them, like, what is this product? Right? So, oh, it's, it's one of these products or, or another CRM huh? or another like calendar app huh? or another uh, cannabis stock huh? or another uh, fashion brand. Right? So it's like, excuse me, huh? I think by now we establish, we establish that a growth stock is not a growing stock. Okay? Everything can grow. Every new business will find their own niche market. They can grow. Eventually, they get listed. So all these things, they grow. Ma. If they never grow, how do they eventually get listed and come into the public realm where you get easy access? Right, so everything can grow. But growth stocks is one that's trying to seek dominance. Dominance, high margin, a lot of cash flow to acquire so that they can continue to extend their growth trajectory. Okay, that is essentially the whole part about buying a growth stock or trying to find the next growth stock. This is the situation. Huh? Dominant player, high margin, a lot of cash flow to acquire. That is the, what we call the best case uh, of a growth stock. Okay, so when you look at that, one underlying assumption is the product must be superior. The product must be superior and it has a very sticky, loyal customer base. So the product cannot be one and the same, cannot just be another CRM, another app, another enterprise software. You know, it cannot just be another. If it's another, then uh, it's quite hard. Lah. It'll be hard for you to become a dominant player. But of course, hey, you'll be surprised. Eventually, some people may integrate new features and have very customer, very loyal customer, very sticky. Everybody switch to them. So yeah, it, it may be possible. It's not impossible. But generally, it doesn't happen unless the product is superior. Of course, uh, I want to point out that usually what happens with a lot of these growth companies, right, is in the early days, they have found some sort of pocket where the big guys, uh, they are not interested enough, right? There's no market to be made. There's nothing going on. So they don't really care. Like podcasting. Podcasting is the corner of the entertainment space. Right? Nobody really cares for a long period of time. You know, when we when we started doing it about two years plus, plus ago, nobody really cared. There were no big players, right? It was just, just, just a few of us doing crazy things and just talking, 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 talking. All right, so... When you're in a space where there's not a lot of money to be made, uh, the big boys don't really care. You have good time to try to acquire and make into something, right? Which is what you see. Almost everybody is like that. Shopify built internet websites, right? In the early days, you know, people don't really care about these kind of templates. Square started with a dongle, a very small dongle. Roku started with a streaming player. Of course, there's Fitbit, which is you know the, the watch. Of course, there's GoPro. And those two are the failed examples, huh? which is why I want to bring them up. Okay? So Fitbit and GoPro are a classic example 
level where a growth stock essentially becomes so big that the big guys start to come in. It's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of business here to be made. Huh? Why not we do our own? Huh? Right? So they start to enter the space and it becomes very competitive because these big boys, they have a lot of cash flow behind them. Right? It's Apple want to enter the game. Amazon want to enter the game. Google want to enter the game. You think you can fight? Not so easy. It becomes a little bit harder. Right? So eventually, some of these companies, uh, they fail to compete. They fail to compete, like Fitbit, like GoPro. They shrink, they die. They will become a smaller business and some of them will exit. They will sell out to another person, another party, which is usually the big guys. Lah. So this is the part that you need to recognize. A business may, at some point in time, have superior product. They are doing well. They are sticky customer base because there's not a lot of competition and they have grown to become something, which is why it's in your purview anyway. But as they develop, as they evolve, their product needs to be evolving and more competition will come in because there's money to be made now. Which is why last episode I talked about Roku. Right? I think Roku is very amazing. Right? It started as a streaming player and then it became an operation system. Now they have their own channel. They're distributing. They're doing ads. Ads is like 80% growth. It's a very, very big business for them. And these are the companies that you see as the product keep growing, the company keep growing, keeps evolving and keeps trying to push to be a superior product. And over time, it becomes an ecosystem and it finally becomes a superior product. And you know, it just makes it too hard for even the big players to come in with a lot of money to play. So yes, this is the reality of growth stocks. You need to recognize they definitely had a superior product at some point in time or they had a product that coalesced a big bunch of people. Let's say Digital Ocean. Okay? Digital Ocean is one of the recent listings. They are very big in the whole developer space. But what is stopping Amazon from coming to compete, which they are? Right? So can they continue to evolve and grow their product to continue to stay superior and continue to stay relevant such that eventually they become the dominant player with high margins, with a lot of cash flow to acquire? Can they do that? That's the question. So no more telling me, oh, this is uh, another CRM or you know, they do this. You, know, you must be very sure who are they, what are they doing, who is their competitor and you know, what is happening in the market. Can they keep innovating and continuously have a very superior product so that their customer is sticky and stays with them? Okay, with that, I think there are a lot of other ideas behind growth stocks, but I hope I gave you a broad picture so that you can understand the business cycles, what happens, why uh, growth stocks even exist in the first place, eventually why they lose, consolidate, become mature, and some of the core ideas behind observing the growth stocks and picking the one that eventually will become dominant player with high margins, a lot of cash flow to acquire. Okay, pretty much that is the angle of picking whichever stocks. And in this process of picking these stocks, um, I have laid out these three ideas, right? So number one is sacrificing short-term profitability for market dominance. You want to see them to continue to grow, continue to grow, continue to grow. It's not so much about profitability, but they need to be able to finance themselves. And in an environment like what is happening today, financing is going to be a little bit difficult. So a lot of these companies will shrink and suffer. Number two is business optionality with a growing temp. Eventually, every business reaches a terminal growth rate, right? Two, three, five percent, depending on economic growth. So if the growth company wants to stay relevant and keep growing, they have to sell more, right? They sell more to the same audience or they have to continue to expand further internationally to get a different audience. And this is something that is a must, which is why every time you see that, oh, the company, uh, the margin's not really growing, you know, average revenue per user not really growing, it's not a good sign for the company. And usually the market will punish it. And point number three is they must have a superior product with sticky customer base and recognize that product evolution is a thing. They may have started out in a corner of the market, nobody really cares, but once it looks like, eh, 
maybe can do uh. the big guys will come in they will put more cash flow they'll put more resources to it and can these guys compete they have to keep evolving so you must recognize that their products are continuously superior and how do you do that sticky customer base right? you must see loyal customer good reviews you know low churn all these are classic examples of a sticky customer base so yes with these three ideas I hope it interests you closer to understanding what a lot of people are picking when they say growth stocks in other words eventual dominant player with high margins a lot of cash flow to acquire I hope you learned something useful today see ya hey I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting we're shared debated and discussed join our community telegram group Follow us on our social, sign up for a weekly newsletter. We are doing a weekly newsletter reboot. We are going to have a lot of information within the newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have any interesting thoughts you want to share or you know someone that we would like to hear from, reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, so with these three ideas established, next week I'm still going to talk about some companies that, you know, previously I hated. I hated them um, because they were marketed as growth stocks, so they were very expensive, you know, 60, 80 billion dollars, you know, in time of listing. Like, my goodness, right? These guys are crazy. But now, uh, they all come down, all discount, uh, all in the 20 billion range, la, sub 10 billion range. So, it becomes very interesting. Of course, there's, there's one that, um, not so cheap, but I think it's it's very interesting to, to consider. So, next week, I'm going to share with you uh, three companies that I hated for a very long time, but I am starting to get interested. I'm taking a turn on them and I may open my positions on some of these companies. So yes, I will see you next week. <laughs>